Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. This is Hannah Leiter, your host. Now, for most of our episodes, we do tend to look at the perspectives and the data in terms of the United States. However, for today's episode, we are going to be heading to the Eastern Hemisphere. Asia has been the engine of global economic growth for decades, as we all know. And as the world continues to get smaller and smaller thanks to technology, it's important for us to look at them as major players, not only in economics, but also culturally and in their lifestyles. And that brings me to today's topic, which is all about these Asian quote unquote powerhouses. Who are they? How are they important? And very importantly, how are they different? Joining me for today's discussion is Vice President at GFK Consumer Life, Veronica Chen. Veronica has over 15 years of experience in helping Fortune 500 companies stay relevant in cultural shifts. She was also one of the main players in a recent a study that came out with GFK Consumer Life on these Asian powerhouses, which makes her the perfect expert to be joining me today. Welcome, Veronica. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Doing great. So I want to get right into it. Obviously, everyone knows that on an economic scale, Asia is a major, major player. But a lot of times when we say that, we are thinking about Asia as a whole continent. Why is it important to be looking at those individual countries? And who is it that's really leading the charge? Yeah, good question. It is important to look at individual markets uh, because Asian markets are so different, Hannah, uh, in terms of population, culture and mindset, economic development, uh, purchase channels, uh, consumption, you name it. And some of the economic gaps between Asian markets also widened through COVID, uh, which saw in Asia, you know, both the world's most rapid and successful containment of the barriers as well as some of its heaviest tolls. Um, we can argue that it is particularly important today to take a fresh look at the key Asian markets individually, and that is why you know, we just released this um, report, uh, our, uh, our latest perspective on top Asian economies. And we're talking about China, India, Indonesia, Japan, and South Korea, uh, really taking a fresh look at the local economic prospects, you know, consumer mindset, lifestyles, use of technology, as well as shopping behaviors. Now, uh, getting back to your question, Hannah, uh, you know, which markets um, are leading the charge? Um, it really kind of depends on what measure we're speaking of, right? Um, but with that said, China is now um, certainly ahead of the pack on many fronts. China, of course, was the first uh, to experience COVID, but also the first to emerge from the pandemic and to report um, really solid economic growth. It is projected, um, actually, China uh, would account for, will account for uh, about one-fifth of the global economic growth uh, in the next five years. And, you know, the, uh, the image of China being mainly the supplier of cheap labor and the follower when it comes to innovation is uh, completely outdated. 
China is now the most advanced market globally for e-commerce, social commerce, and mobile payment. It is by far the largest market for electric vehicles. And along with South Korea, it is also well ahead in the adoption of 5G technology. So as someone originally from China, I'm very proud of the progress the country has made. That's amazing. I didn't know about the electric vehicles uh, because you hear a lot about those initiatives in Europe. But that's amazing to see that China uh, has those types of initiatives, or maybe it's just very popular there. I'm curious because, of course, China is one of the most populous countries in Asia. Is there a correlation with that powerhouse or economic power when it comes to population size that isn't in that country? Yeah, you know... (laughs) I wouldn't say, say there is a, you know, a quote unquote correlation. Um, because if, uh, there, if there were, China and India would be by far the largest global economies, right? Ahead of the U.S. However, population size definitely can contribute to economic power. So nations like China, like India, are among the top global economies mainly because of their massive population. So if you look at GDP per capita, um, you know, a country like China is still well, uh, well behind developed markets like Japan and South Korea. But because, the, uh, because of the sheer size of its population, population, China's total GDP is actually more than twice the GDP of Japan and South Korea combined. And by the way, uh, Hannah, well, China's massive population has been a critical factor to its surge um, to uh, the number two global economy. Population trends are now posing threats to the country's long-term growth. Uh, for years, experts have been warning that you know China's slowing population growth and the fast aging population are long-term time bombs for the country's economic future. And those time bombs are definitely ticking. Um, according to China's most recent, uh, uh, recently released census data, the country's um, population is actually growing at its lowest pace in decades. And the proportion of China's uh, work-age population actually shrank by nearly 7% over the past decade and will probably continue to decline uh, if the current trend continues. Um, and that was perhaps part of the reason that uh, the Chinese government uh, a couple of weeks ago further relaxed uh, its birth policy, now allowing married couples to have three children. That was big news. Um, you are probably aware, Hannah, that um, China started to implement its one-child policy in 1980, allowing, allowing just one child per married couple to try to control the belonging population at the time. It certainly worked and has contributed to the demographic crisis that we're seeing today. Wow. Is there a similar situation in China in a country such as Japan, where I know they have one of the oldest yeah. populations. Yes, definitely. Yeah, uh, Japan uh, does has uh, a very does have a, a you know much older population, and that is uh, certainly a uh, you know a, um, a issue when it comes to economic growth and even you know uh, pension uh, system being able to take care of their their uh, their growing aging population. 
shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about the kind of cultural or lifestyle portion of Asia, because of course, the economic portion is typically what we talk about. But when it comes to Asian consumers in these different countries, what are their core values and mindsets? Yeah, that's a really good question, because, you know, mindsets and priorities actually vary quite a lot in Asia. Now, at GFK Consumer Life, we have been serving people uh, in 20 plus markets annually since 1997. And we talk to our respondents about their, all different aspects of their lives. Uh, and one area that we have been covering quite extensively and consistently is personal values. So um, just to give you a little bit background uh, before we start getting into the data, you know, we have been tracking globally a list of 57 individual values, which we define in our questionnaire as people's guiding principles in their lives. And these range from protecting the family, uh, the number one value globally, and uh, as you would imagine in most markets, to you know having fun, to wealth, power, really encompassing all different facets of our core beliefs. Now we can look at the relative importance of each individual value to the consumer. Uh, we have also developed a segmentation uh, which categorizes people into five values types based on their values orientation. Now, India, followed by China, uh, is the most likely of all the 21 syndicate markets that we cover to fall into our Aspire's uh, value segment. So these are the consumers who are, you know, uh, image conscious, status seeking, and uh, are often really motivated by upward mobility. It is only fitting, right, that China and India, Asia's fast growing superhouses, uh, you know, superpowers are dominated by Asparagus. However, uh, we are starting to see, uh, especially in China, kind of a little bit pushback against um, the work first approach um, as long work hours take a toll on people's physical and mental health. Now, Indonesia, even though it is another fast growing emerging market in Asia, its mindset and culture is very different from that of China and India. Faith is actually uh, by far the most differentiating personal value for Indonesia, where nearly 90% of the population is Muslim. Uh, so of all the markets that we cover, Indonesia actually claims the highest proportion of uh, the mindfulness uh, values type. So these are the consumers who tend to prioritize um, spirituality, uh, tradition, and are more focused on living a balanced life. Um, now, when it comes to South Korean, uh, South Koreans and Japanese, um, they actually stand out now with a, um, a stronger fun-seeking and experience-seeking mindset. And this may come across as a surprise to some people, uh, given both nations' reputation, right, for their hardworking culture. Now, uh, Koreans and Japanese may work hard, but they want to play harder. Um, so both countries actually feature a relatively high proportion of pleasure-seeking indulgers. In fact, 
having fun is the number one personal value in Japan on that list of 57 uh, values that we measure uh, compared with, um, you know, number eight in uh, Korea. Uh, number 19 globally, number 20 in developing Asia. And, uh, to give you a little bit perspective, uh, it is actually number 22 here in the United States. So, you know, again, getting back to the point that it is important to look at, uh, Asian markets individually because they are so different. Yeah, definitely. And that is kind of a really fun fact and now I want to go to Japan just because I know how important is that for them it is to have fun it's got to be a great place to go visit <laughs> so what about concerns because especially during this last year and a half when we had COVID we've heard a lot about concerns about safety sustainability social justice everything like that is it different over in Asia um, also of course Between the different countries, yeah, definitely. You know, concerns also vary. Of course, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, everyone is worried about the pandemic, right?、Um, but you know,、um, aside from the pandemic, you do see, you know,、uh, quite. Um, a bit of differences and variations when, you know, it comes to what keeps people up at night. So, for instance, in Japan,、uh, which, as you mentioned, has a very large、uh, share of the, the senior population, right? The population is quite older. So, understandably, the future of、uh, pension plans is now one of their top worries on a list of、uh, 23 concerns that we track globally. Um, it is actually among the least things that people worry about in a country like Indonesia, where just about six percent of,、uh, of the population is、uh, over the age 65.、Um, now, on the other hand, in Indonesia, misinformation、uh, actually has emerged as a, a, a top concern, whereas it is a lot less top of mind in countries like Japan and China. Just to give you,、uh, you know, a couple of examples of how concerns differ by market.、Um, now, you know, one thing that Asian markets,、um, well, actually, you know, markets across continents do share in common today is、um, actually、uh, elevated concerns about the environment.、Um, aside from the pandemic, Environmental pollution actually is now the very top worry, the top concern out of the 23 that we track in developing Asia, which, as you know,、uh, houses some of the, the most polluted cities on earth, right? So for、um, consumers, many consumers in these markets, pollution is a very real, very tangible house hazard that affects people's everyday life. Now in Japan, global warming has、uh, risen to the top of、um, the list of concerns that people have there.、Um, now compared to environmental pollution, global warming, we can argue, is a longer term environmental issue, right?、Um, which tend to be more top of mind in developed markets, especially those where consumers are more educated about the long term impact of, of human behaviors. On the planet,、uh, but it has also risen even in developing Asian markets in recent years.、Um, by the way, both pollution and global warming are also among the top five worries、uh, in South Korea.、Mm. Does the fact that Asia has so many manufacturing、um, 
heavy industries have anything to do with their concern on sustainability because of course a lot of them are working in factories that could be making a lot of the waste that ends up in those very polluted cities or you know when you see the pictures of coastlines that are filled with garbage yeah definitely i think it plays a role in not that you know uh people working in those uh environment um are you know aware of the the environmental uh, damage, but I think you know because of those uh, heavy uh, you know uh, factory uh, you know production factories, uh, you know uh, more polluted industries. You know you do see you know even in the air, right? You know uh, in in some of China's uh, largest cities, you know uh, people have been dealing with the problem of smog for you know uh, for years, and you can. Uh, you know, visually see uh, the damage to the environment, and it is important to people because it does impact their health and day-to-day life. Now we've talked a little bit about the economy. We've talked a little bit about their culture or their values. So let's talk about shopping in Asia now. <clears throat> As we were just talking about, they manufacture a lot of goods, but of course, they are also consumers that buy them. So how much of those goods are they consuming and what's really important to the Asian shopper? Yeah, they're definitely consuming a lot uh, and will be consuming even more. Um, Now, China is already uh, the second largest uh, consumer market after only the U.S. and it is uh, expected to actually overtake U.S., uh, for the top spot in the next few years. And overall, Asia is expected to account for half of uh, the global consumption growth in the next decade, offering a $10 trillion opportunity. So, you know, definitely, um, you know, if you're a global company and you're looking for growth, Asia is a region to pay close attention to. As for what's most important, now, you know, um, People may have the, the, the perception that, hey, if you're uh, a consumer in an emerging market, you care only about price. Um, that is ha- actually not necessarily the case um, because consumers in emerging markets, um, you know, um, they are aware of the, the really uneven quality of products in the marketplace. So, you know, they actually recognize that the price is not the most important thing. They do care about product safety and brand names uh, are often, you know, uh, an identifier uh, for, for quality for uh, many of these consumers. Do any of the Asian countries have a sense of allegiance when it comes to consuming their own brands versus an international brand? Mm, that's an interesting question. I guess I wouldn't say that they have allegiance to local or international brands because brand origin simply isn't the primary decision driver for purchases. We actually asked our respondents in our study, global study last year, what drove their purchase decisions in a few categories. And as it turned out, across markets and categories, product quality, price, brand reputation, the brand experience. So really the fundamentals, they were still, um, you know, much more important than brand origin. There are definitely global brands that have been extremely successful in Asia, as in other markets. 
But on the other hand, some local brands also have very strong holes in the marketplace. It's worth mentioning that global brands are facing rising competition in some of、uh, the Asian markets. One case in point is China, where consumers used to favor、uh, foreign brands or global brands because they represented better quality. But much has changed over the past decade as local brands made big strides on quality and innovation. It is really interesting that you know, made in China actually gone from has gone from something associated with inferior quality to something that local consumers are actually proud of and sometimes prefer to purchase.、Um, Hannah, I, I should point out that rising nationalism has played a role in Chinese consumers. Changing brand preferences in recent years. Yeah, so lots of different things putting in there. I can definitely see some of that. You know what we've seen the past year of people gathering behind causes. You're saying that you know if if a company does something that they don't find or they find offensive to their culture,、uh, that they don't want to do business with them. I think that you can probably find some similarities in other countries or other cultures that are doing the same in that sense. It is very tricky, you know, for global brands now operating in China.、Uh, you probably heard a lot of those cases where. You know,、uh, Chinese consumers took offense of global brands. You know,、uh, maybe、uh, siding with Hong Kong protesters, right?、Um, but you know,、um, global brands in other markets, in their home markets, they have different perspectives. So you know, oftentimes putting brands in a very difficult position to you know try to appease、uh, Chinese consumers, and you know also. Um, you know, still standing up for the values、uh, that their their brands represent. Yeah, it can definitely get complicated. And then to just add to that, what about technology? How reliant are Asian consumers on that when they shop?、Uh, actually, very reliant now, especially smartphones. You know, smartphones、um, have really emerged as a, a vital shopping tool in Asia. And this is the case not、um, in developed Asia, but also developing Asia, where smart smartphones are often, you know, people's first and sometimes the only interface to the、uh, the internet.、Um, many consumers in in Asia now use their smartphones to, you know,、um, research products and services, compare prices,、um, you know, look for the best deal. Sometimes even, you know, scan barcodes or. QR codes when shopping at stores, but when it comes to making the actual transaction online,、uh, China is definitely ahead.、Uh, as we mentioned earlier, China is now by far the largest、uh, e-commerce market globally,、um, accounting for、uh, over half of the global e-commerce market in 2020. Um, and China's e-commerce market is gigantic in not only absolute terms, but also as a share of the total retail market. It is projected that China will actually become the first country this year where online sales outstrip sales in stores. So that's huge.、Um, and the、uh, runner-up in South Korea is projected that you know e-commerce、uh, would. Will account for about thirty percent of total retail sales, and to put that into perspectives,、um, online sales actually accounted about just fourteen percent of total retail sales in the U.S. last year.、Wow. Well, also something to think about 
with all of this is the fact that Asia is unique in the fact that there are a lot of countries in very different levels of development, um, which makes them different in their access to that technology. So of course, a lot of them do because they are shopping. But when it comes to that local consumer in each country, how are they approaching the technology differently? Yeah, so good question, because access is one thing, uh, approach and attitude is another. It's really interesting that, you know, in a country like India, where tech adoption is relatively low, right, still uh, due to the limited purchase power that local consumers have on a per capita basis, enthusiasm towards technology is actually very high. Uh, part of the reason may be that in the Indian population, again, is very young. Over half is under age 30. So a lot of uh, Gen Z and millennials there. And this youthful population uh, really aspires towards uh, shiny new gadgets and tends to find new technology very exciting. Um, Chinese consumers, as we hinted, you know, they are very tech savvy today and uh, very tech forward. But compared to Indian consumers, they seem to be more pragmatic about technology and a little bit less excited. Uh, in fact, when we ask about their attitude towards technology, um, Chinese consumers are uh, less likely than Indians to say that they find new technology exciting, but more likely to say that, you know, you have to master latest technology to remain up to date. Um, and it's also, you know, quite fascinating that, you know, in uh, more developed markets like uh, Korea, uh, Korea and Japan, people today are a lot more likely to have, you know, more mixed feelings towards technology, kind of recognizing uh, both the benefits of technology, but also the risks that technology brings. And that is particularly the case in Japan, where the country's aging population actually grew a bit intimidated by new technology over the past decade. So now uh, nearly three in 10 Japanese consumers say that they actually find new technology a little bit beyond them. And that number is the highest among all the markets that we survey. So not quite expected, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Especially when you talk about how much they uh, amount to the online shopping, but then some of them are are nervous to actually use the new tech. That's interesting, for sure. Right. So, you know, that's why China, where consumers have become very tech savvy, is really you know, part of the reason that they're really leading the charge when it comes to e-commerce. E Japan is an interesting case, because if you think about 10, 15 years ago, Japan was actually, you know, considered very uh, tech forward, right? I remember, you know, putting together presentations where we talked about how um, Japanese consumers use their phones to, you know, read, uh, read, you know, uh, ebooks. And that was like considered very, you know, uh, advanced and, you know, um, <laughs> ahead of other markets. But perhaps because of the fact that their feature phones were more capable, Japan actually fell behind in the transition from, uh, you know, feature phones to smartphones. And related to that, the adoption of, you know, digital content and some of the digital solutions. And that also plays a part into um, the fact that, you know, uh, today uh, local consumers do feel a little bit more uh, intimidated by the latest technology.
thinking ahead, what are some of the biggest emerging trends in Asia that are going to affect brands both there and around the world? Okay, so here is one. It's not really necessarily a merging trend, but uh, I think the acceleration of the digital lifestyle during COVID is definitely something that companies need to consider. And countries like China and South Korea, which, as we mentioned earlier, are among the most advanced in tech adoption, can sometimes offer a glimpse of what may be coming next for other markets as well. So for instance, uh, China saw in recent years the rise of social media shopping and live streaming commerce, which got another huge boost during COVID. You can buy all sorts of products and services through live streaming videos in China, uh, from fresh fruit to new apartments. That kind of evolution of e-commerce will probably continue and also expand to other markets as well. Uh, in fact, many uh, Western retailers and global brands are now taking a page from China and are introducing live streaming offerings in other markets. Um, here in the U.S., uh, retailers including Walmart, Bloomingdale's, um, Bloomingdale's um, Nordstrom, Paco, all started to dip their toes into live streaming commerce over the past year. Uh, by the way, Amazon actually uh, introduced its uh, live streaming commerce platform, Amazon Live, a couple years ago and um, is continuing to, to evolve that offering. Um, but I think the point is that even though uh, this is still quite nascent here in the U.S., um, we can argue it's got potential, especially uh, gauging by what we see now in Asia, especially a leading market like uh, like China. Uh, I think is a good example of how a fast emerging trend in a tech forward uh, nation in Asia uh, affects not only local opportunities, but also offers inspirations or even a bit of a foresight uh, to companies around the world. Awesome. So many great tidbits and facts that you've given us in this short amount of time, Veronica. I want to ask you one last question before I let you go. As someone who has now worked so deeply with this type of data, what is your best advice for those who are looking for a way to turn trends like these into smart business decisions for their brands? So this may be a little bit obvious, but I think first and foremost, it is critical to make sure that you have the latest and most accurate information about the consumer because people and their expectations do evolve over time. And major events like COVID can accelerate change. And to that point, uh, base your understanding of the consumer and trends on uh, facts and data is really critical um, because hypotheses aren't always true. I know we are a little bit behind time, but, you know, here is really, you know, I think a really intriguing example um, that made me think about this recently. We have a client who came to us recently with the hypothesis that, you know, Gen Z in China and South Korea are perhaps similar in mindset, considering what they share in common, um, you know, the, the high pressure they face at school and work. Uh, the societal environment they grew up in, their access to technology, you know, the trend towards delayed marriage um, in both nations. 
So on the surface, it really makes sense, right? But when we dug into our data, we saw that the two groups are really a world apart in mindset and values. Um, it's very telling that the number one personal value among Chinese Gen Z today is patriotism, which is one of the least important values among Korean Gen Z, and the number one value among Korean uh, Gen Zers is enjoying life, which is not a top tier value uh, for their peers in, uh, in, in China. So overall, Korean Gen Z is actually more aligned now with their peers in Western markets in values orientation, um, demonstrating a really strong focus on fun and experience. On the other hand, uh, Chinese Gen Z seems a bit more serious, uh, more obligated to do the quote unquote right thing. Um, and that, that actually makes sense, right? If you think about it. So despite, uh, uh, the, the seemingly similar living arrangements, uh, or, you know, living environment that the two groups share, there are still two very different political systems and micro environments at play. So I think, um, that is, uh, you know, um, a good example, um, that shows you how hypotheses that feels, uh, feel right may not be accurate. And it's really important to make sure that any strategies you develop are grounded in accurate and up-to-date information. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for lending myself and everyone listening your expertise for today. I will probably be re-listening to this episode to make a couple of notes because even though I was sitting here in the conversation, you made so many good points that I want to go back and make sure that I got all of them. If you are listening and you would like more information about the Asia Powerhouses report, I will make sure to leave some links in the show notes for you to do that. Uh, Veronica, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe there may be a possible sample report that you can take a look at to get some more visuals on the report. Yes, absolutely. We do have a preview report that we can share with anyone interested. Amazing. So I'll make sure to leave those links so you guys can take a look at that. Or if you want to reach out and talk to Veronica yourself and ask a few questions. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on the latest insights. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead. Thank you.